This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. This message comes from NPR sponsor Comcast. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed internet. But the barriers to getting connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. Hey there, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Okay, so before we get into the big questions, we thought it'd be fun to do a little rapid fire bracket of social media. We're going to offer you two apps and you pick which one you think is better. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so MySpace versus Tumblr. Tumblr. Perfect answer. Vine versus Snapchat. A Vine. Agree. Instagram versus TikTok. TikTok. Three for three right now. Twitter (laughs) versus Threads. Threads. And Threads pilled. Today, if you haven't picked up on it, we're talking about social media and Meta's newest app, Threads, which some are saying could be the one to replace Twitter. And tech journalist Taylor Lorenz, author of the upcoming book, Extremely Online, thinks Threads just may have the juice. Okay, so you've been on Threads. What is it like there? It's very stripped down. I mean, there's no features yet. (laughs) There's no DM. There's no search. It's pretty basic, but I know it's not going to stay that way. What I like most about it is just that I can actually connect with people again. And Threads isn't the only app coming for Twitter's neck as it glitches, trips, and crashes. So today, Taylor is going to give us the 411 on what the heck is going on with social media, where this whole dang bus is driving, if it's driving off a cliff, and if we're destined to fight the whole ride long. Taylor, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Thanks for having me. So I haven't started threads yet, and I'm at like capacity with new social media, personally. I wish I wasn't that person. I feel like that sounds very retrograde, but I am at capacity. (laughs) So I haven't started Threads yet, but I wonder, what's the value proposition of Threads? Like, what is it offering that Twitter isn't? Good question. The main thing that it's offering is a more positive community experience. Elon has sort of opened the floodgates when it comes to harassment and trolling and spam. And Threads is clear of all of that. Threads is like a Disneyland almost. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of brands there, but you're not going to get that level of hate. Hmm. Threads is a microblogging app, but it's not the only microblogging app that was created in response to Twitter changing and alienating its users. I mean, there's Spill and Blue Sky and Mastodon recently had its like stable release coming out of beta. Do any of them stand a chance at long-term success as an alternative to Twitter? Yes. Twitter has always struggled. You know, it's never been that number Mm. one social media app. It's always been in kind of third or fourth or fifth place. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is room for someone to sort of take that format and make it more mass market. I think threads could be the answer to that. And then of course, Mastodon will always be a place for techies. You know, Blue Sky is kind of its own little niche community. I think a lot of communities on Twitter are going to fragment across to different apps. 
Hmm. Yeah. One thing I'm concerned about is the scattering of users from Twitter, which is this like, you know, you said it's not maybe like the number one social media app, but it still is this giant social media app that we all have some familiarity with to these like smaller, more niche apps that, you know, might need invite codes or that have like a, a limit as to how many users they can accommodate right now. I feel like it signals the end of an era of social media and the internet. Like the idea of the digital town square is sunsetting. And if we're no longer in the town square, then where are we? I think it's just changing in a sense, like TikTok is where an increasing number of people are going to learn about news, pop culture, entertainment. It's where media narratives are emerging. I mean, I'm just thinking of even the Jonah Hill uh, text scandal that happened recently. Um, You know, you're turning to TikTok for this sort of in-depth analysis and cultural commentary that I think people originally used to go to Twitter for. Now, that is a really good point. I do kind of see how TikTok can be the digital town square, but that's not a one-to-one match with Twitter. There's something also about putting your face out there that seems completely different. I feel like with Twitter, if you so choose, you could have a certain measure of anonymity in a way that TikTok, you can't really do that in the same way, you know? Oh, 100%. I think it's a total death of anonymity. You have to put your face out there. And then people judge you based on your appearance and what you have to say, which, you know, Twitter was always this place where you could just speak freely. And that's the beauty of text-based social media. It's just Mm. so much harder to monetize. And so that's why you see all these companies pivoting to video. Hmm. So I think it's exciting that there's this resurgence of text. I definitely could not be watching TikToks on the job um, in a lot of environments. It also takes a lot more effort to produce a TikTok than to produce a tweet, you know. That's why I've never made one in my life. I've never made a TikTok. Wait, seriously? I feel like, Brittany, you would do all on TikTok. (laughs) That is a – that's high praise coming from you. I will take that into consideration. You know, something else I've noticed is that users across several of these new apps have posted about not wanting – certain social media accounts like the shade room or even certain people that they feel like might be spouting dangerous rhetoric. Yeah. Not wanting certain people or certain accounts to have a presence on these apps. Like, are we now in an era where we care about who we share the room with more than the app's popularity? It's so funny. The shade room is is getting bullied off like every app they join, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) A reckoning. I know. They're finally having it. No, I think that's 100% true. I think that, you know, one big trend we're seeing in social media these days is people spending time in smaller communities and more curated spaces. They don't really want to reach people that are going to be negative to them because it's ultimately a bad user experience. But we've all had those moments, you know, where we've posted something and been met with sort of a negative response that we didn't want or anticipate. That's a design problem from a product standpoint. You should design a product that delivers your content more efficiently to your target audience. You know, I'm glad you bring up user experience because one of the big things that's come up as we've been preparing for this conversation is the user interface, also called UI. One of the things that I love about Twitter is that when you want to talk about a certain topic, it's so easy to find people and conversations to join in, as with Scandalval, which I recently became obsessed with. If you have tweeted about Scandalval in the past six months, baby, I have read it. Because <laughs> whatever, whether you use the pump rules hashtag or the Scandalval hashtag, I was all over it. And it was easy for me to like go through them using Twitter search function. I'm wondering 
what you think of these new apps and their ability to set people up to follow their interests. I mean, one thing that really popped off during the Scandaball, which I also became obsessed with, (laughs) is the subreddit. I mean, the subreddit ballooned and you saw more people turning there because they wanted a place to discuss this stuff and weren't, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they're not Twitter users, but they don't really know where to go. Mm -hmm. They want to have these dialogues. And so you see the rise of these sort of like dedicated communities. But I think discovery is the most important feature of any social product. It is the most important feature. And what TikTok did so well was nail discovery without forcing users to search. One thing I should say too, is that there are a lot of communities on Twitter, especially like sort of different marginalized communities that have had a really hard time replicating their networks elsewhere. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of disabled people that rely on Twitter for really crucial updates. There's scientific communities that are on there that are just Mm -hmm. people that are never really going to join other apps. And then, you know, of course, sex workers, I think they've had a really hard time finding an audience and, and growing connections elsewhere. So there is there is stuff that Twitter still offers. I, I'm on there myself too. I'll probably be on there till the end. <laughs> it's like watching the Titanic go down. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, Taylor and I talk about how these social media apps and their users make bank and whether or not the influencer bubble is finally about to burst. Stay right there. This message is brought to you by Apple Pay. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the wallet app and you're good to go. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. NPR Plus is a new way to support public media and get more from your favorite NPR podcasts like Fresh Air. Sometimes I'll actually preface the question with, if it makes you too uncomfortable to talk about, if it's too personal, just tell me. Here's the question. For behind-the-scenes content, bonus episodes, and more, sign up at plus.npr.org. Going back to the idea of profitability for a second, we do have to talk about money. After all, it's one of the reasons that Twitter is faltering and making these changes. It needs to generate money due to its $44 billion purchase, and it matters to users, too. So one of the feelings I see on threads is that there doesn't seem to be a way to monetize right now for the average user. Twitter, you could have paying subscribers and you could do paid content, although you said text-based paid content is not quite as potent as visual-based paid content. But in today's world, how important is the ability for the user to monetize versus the app monetizing for itself? Like, how do you think of that balance? Yeah. Well, just to be clear, it's essentially impossible to monetize on Twitter. The subscription product is completely broken. There are some people that are making it work, but it's janky. Musk famously fired that entire team that was working on these products. And 
has not supported creator monetization or content creators at all. Every move he makes is antagonizing his biggest content creators. I mean, even removing all of their blue checks and making them pay. I mean, other apps rightfully know that you need to pay big content creators to be on your app. They shouldn't be paying you. That's like, I think Musk totally misunderstands the value in that sort of interaction. Hmm. You know, I also wonder generally, it's no secret that the podcast bubble is bursting. I wonder if the influencer bubble is is going to burst. No, absolutely not. The media is not getting less digital. It's not. Hmm. The media is only getting more distributed and more digital. So the notion that influencers are somehow going to be less relevant, we are not going back to the 90s. I don't know why people believe that we are, but we are not. And (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, these magazines are not going to rise from the dead. Every single year, people prefer to get their news from more digital formats and more personality-driven media. Content creators, influencers, power users, whatever you want to call them, those people are only becoming more relevant and their power is only growing on the internet. The thing I keep thinking about is there's just more of everything. You know what I mean? Like there are way more prestige television shows now than there were 25 or 30 years ago. Hmm. There are way more popular touring musicians. I wonder the idea that influencers will continue to be really powerful. It makes me feel like there's also just going to be more of them. Yes. Is their potency going to last if there are so many? of You know what I mean? Like being a blogger now doesn't have the same potency as it did 15 years ago. Okay. So first of all, what you're speaking to is this death of mass culture and mass media. Mm -hmm. Actually, what you're seeing happen in the influencer world is the influencer industry continues to grow year over year. It's a, I think Goldman Sachs said it's set to be a half a trillion dollar industry in the next couple of years. You're also seeing these huge influencers. I mean, it's like you see these huge spikes, right? You see people like Mr. Beast that have a level of scale that rival a traditional broadcaster in the sense that they can reach millions overnight. But then you have the hyper niche people. I mean, you have people that only have 500 followers that are able to successfully monetize and make a living through charging a high subscription amount. Some people on OnlyFans have very few followers, but they can still charge a high price for their content. But then you have this whole group of more niche influencers. I'm looking for a new bedside table. And this girl has all these bedside table reviews on TikTok. (laughs) That's so niche. (laughs) That's the thing though. You can, and she's has affiliate links going. Mm. So that's my point is that what influencers have successfully done, they've flipped the entire playbook for businesses. It used to be that you developed a product and then you went out and you tried to market that product to an audience. Now you develop an audience and then you market products to that audience that you've developed. Hmm. So it's flipped completely. Wow. That's completely different than how it was traditionally thought of. That's really interesting. One of the things that I have loved about big social media is that it gives me a peek into different worlds. Social media, I think at its core, was meant to expand our world. What happens if we continue down this road where there are fewer users per app with smaller circles and more niche interests? Yeah. I mean, I think people get very concerned about filter bubbles. I think the problem with exposing people to just a wider variety of content indiscriminately is they can end up being exposed to really harmful content. So 
I think you have to have a mix. Curiosity is a core human emotion. And a lot of people do like to go down online rabbit holes and learn things. (laughs) So I, I think we have to give users a little bit more credit. TikTok is a perfect example of this in the sense that its algorithms are tailored so well and it will deliver you content that you didn't even know that you wanted. And then you might get involved in Scandaval and find out what happens or whatever. <laughs> but I do think it's a concern. And I think it's something to think about, you know, as we move towards these more curated environments, what are we losing? And I think we are losing some of that serendipity. Yeah. It makes me think of the idea that you brought up earlier about people seeking spaces where, you know, they don't have to deal with hateful content the way that, you know, there are certain accounts on Twitter, where people build huge followings off of, you know, homophobic, racist, whatnot content. And I think that the desire to want to have a social media experience that is free from that sort of hate and harassment makes total sense. But I also wonder how that squares with the very current modern concern about polarization and digital silos. I think it's actually very hard to create safe spaces on the internet unless it's invite only, like something like Discord or group chats. Places for marginalized communities rarely stay closed off for so long because a core part of growth for right-wing influencers is attacking liberals and attacking progressive people and attacking marginalized people. Like they need that content to thrive. And so when those people go to different apps, that's why you see them chasing people over to threads or chasing people over to blue sky, because that's sort of part of their growth strategy Hmm. and engagement strategy. One thing that's so different about social products as opposed to other products is that users shape the product almost just as much as the tech companies shape the products. Hmm. Twitter and also Reddit show us that the culture of an app is in many ways determined by the users. Reddit has become a destination for advice. Like I was literally just looking up advice on Reddit last night. And if you had told me I was going to do that like six years ago, I would have laughed. And Twitter, you know, became a driver of news and organizing. I don't think that Twitter built the app to support the Arab Spring or the Black Lives Matter movement. The tech companies, ultimately, they're only half of the coin. And let's not forget that like hashtags and at symbols were pioneered by users. I mean, this is a core theme of my book, but you had these big influential power users that fundamentally have reshaped how people use these platforms. As we go forward and, and think about this next generation of apps, I hope that users can take that into mind and really, you know, have a voice and try and shape the platforms to be what they want. Taylor, thank you so much for coming on today. This was very enlightening. Thank you so much. This is a really great conversation. That was Taylor Lorenz. Her book, Extremely Online, The Untold Story of Fame, Influence, and Power on the Internet, is out in October. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by... Alexis Williams. Corey Antonio Rose. Our editor is... Jessica Placek. Engineering support came from... Gilly Moon. We had fact-checking help from... Aida Purasan. Our executive producer is Verilyn Williams. Our VP of Programming is Yolanda Sanguini. Our senior VP of Programming is Anya Grundman. All right, that's all for this episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Talk soon. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. 
Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives, like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Hey there, everybody. It's Peter Sagal. On our show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, it's usually just jokes. But a man cannot live on dad jokes alone. Sometimes you need to express your trauma that haunts you and drives you, as I did on a bonus episode just for Wait, Wait Plus supporters. A deep dish pizza hurt me. That's right. For a chance to hear the raw, real, revealing truth, sign up for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Plus at plus.npr.org in order to feel my pain.